Okay, we'll start, and they'll come in. Okay, so we are on Chaf Amad Aleph on the bottom, the last line in the Mishnah. And uh, in light of the fact that it's been a hard few days for the Chayalim, Hashem should continue to watch. We, we daven and we beseech from Him, Mizrachamim. And it's close of our learning and mitzvahs, Hashem should continue to watch over them and to re- return all the uh, hostages in a timely manner, fully, uh, full health. Okay, now... The Mishnah, so we're about to start now on the Mishnah on Chaf Amanalaf on the bottom. It is chock full of information of uh, different uh, Nyanim and Sugyas, so we will try to tackle them one at a time. So the Mishnah starts off Nashim Va'avad in the last line of Chaf Amanalaf. The Mishnah Nashim Va'avadim Mukhtanim Pitur Mikriyashma. Women, Avadim, obviously talking about Avadim Kananim, Eved Ivri is a full fledged Jew, is Chayiv and Mitzvos as a regular full fledged Jew, and an Eved is only, Eved Kanani is only Chayiv and Mitzvos like a woman. So Nashim Vavadim Muktanim, Chafim and Aleph, Mishnah there, Nashim Vavadim Muktanim are part of Kriyashma. So we'll have to see what kind of Katan is talking about. The Gemara Mishnah continues. Tfilin, they're also potter not only from Kriyashma and Tfilin, the, from Kriyashma, but Tfilin as well. The Chayavin, however, they are obligated in Tfilah, Mezuzah, and Benching Berchas Amazon. Okay, so they're potter from Kriyashma and Tfilin. They're Chayav in Tfilah and Davening Mezuzah and Berchas Amazon. We'll have to see what wh- what the connection is. So now, first of all, the fir- obvious question is. A katan is always potter for mitzvos. So what is the chiddush here? What kind of katan are we talking about when it says that women and avadim? So first glance, noshim from kriyashma we understand because kriyashma is b'shach b'chav kumecha when you get, get up and when you go to sleep and that's a mitzvah sasei shazman grama. We'll discuss in a minute. We'll remind ourselves. We'll review why the petur, why the exemption exists for women for all positive time bound mitzvos. But before we get there. What kind of katan are we talking about? So Rashi says, Rashi says, two lines from the bottom of the Rashi, says, Afilu katan shagila chinuch. We're talking about even a katan who's 10, 11, 12 years old. The father is getting up early in the morning to go to work. And the son is still sleeping. It's a, it's a 9, 10-year-old boy. He's not getting up at 6 a.m. to go daven early before the father goes to shul. So since the son is not always on, on the side of his father, it's hard for the father to him, to educate him, to train him to say Kriyashma. So according to Rashi, it's talking about even a katan shegil chinuch. Rabbeinu Tam disagrees and it's talking about a katan shelo gil chinuch. It's talking about a katan who's 6-7. The question is, they're never chayiv. Why would you even have to tell us that? So he says the normal way of the Gemara is to lump Nashim Avod and Kutanim together. But, uh, but it's talking about even a 6-7 or seven year old. Now it's interesting, by the way, why then would it say the Chayiv in Tefillah if a child is not next to his father for Zaman Kriyashma? Why, why would a Katan be Chayiv? The very next line of the Mishnah says they are Chayiv don't Tefillah. So it's brought down that uh, Rabbeinu Yonasam in Lunil says that since Tefillah extends an hour longer, it's much more likely that they are around for uh, Zaman Tefillah and even more so, even if you don't daven for the um, in the right zman shachris, you still get credit for tefillah, just not in the right time. As opposed to kriyashma, if you say kriyashma outside the zman, it's like you're you're re- reading regular psukim. There's no there's no concept of uh, you know after zman you don't you don't get credit. You get credit for tefillah, you just don't get credit for tefillah bezmana. We'll see that when we get to the next parak, the fourth parak. But if you say kriyashma later in the day, you're just reading you're reading 
Parshas, uh, Parshas Ekev, you're reading Parshas Veschanan, Parshas Shlach. It's like you're reading those Parshas, which, which contain the three Parshas of Krishna. It's just like you're Kori Batorah. You're not getting Schar from the Mitzvah. Okay, now, before we get into the Gemara, just a very, very, very quick review. What is the reason in general why women are exempt from positive time-bound mitzvahs? So the most famous one that's quoted is Davu Jerham. We'll read it inside because the it's, it's often quoted and it's often misquoted. And we don't want to give the wrong impression. Davu Jerham was a Rishon who wrote basically a sitter. And in it, he describes the following reason. It says, why are women mitzvahs from all mitzvahs of Shishim and Grama? So it says, "Vatam shin nifteru hanoshim in mitzvah saseshes magrama, fisha isha mishubedas lebala lasot trachav." And he's going to explain it a little bit better. But basically, a woman is sort of mishubad, obligated. Thank you. We don't want to use the word uh, indentured, but but mishubedas has a very strong obligation, indebted, obligated to her husband to sort of take care of his needs. Now, it doesn't just mean his needs; it means the household needs. Vim haisa mechuyevus mitzvah saseshes magrama. If it's we were to obligate her in a specific mitzvah that says you have 10 more minutes to hear shofar, right? You have to go shake lulav right now. <clears throat> it's possible that the husband might say, you know what? The baby needs to eat. The baby needs to be nursed or, or some other request that he makes at the same time. And now she's torn. If she listens to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's tzivoy, meaning I have only 10 more minutes to hear shofar before Shkia comes and I miss my chance to hear shofar, then she's going to get it from her husband. And if she listens to her husband, and she misses lulav or shofar, she's going to get it from the man upstairs. Therefore, not to put her in that catch-22, in that unwinnable situation, Therefore, Gosh Baruch said, you know what? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Rather than put you in that situation and have you have to decide between your husband and, and me, I'll, I'll <coughs> obviate you from all, I'll, um, I'll exempt you from all uh, mitzvahs that are time-bound and therefore you won't have to worry about it. And listen to what he says. He says... Um, he says one amazing thing. He says that, um, um, he goes on to say, where did he say? That HaKadosh Baruch was willing for, for, uh, for Shalom Bayis to have his name erased. We've mentioned this many, many times, the classic example, where HaKadosh Baruch was willing to have, even have his own name erased and by the Mesota in order to prove her innocence. So in order to preserve Shalom Bayis, He's certainly willing to exempt women from the mitzvah sasechas magrama in order to preserve shalom bayis, and that he, she doesn't have to make this difficult decision. <clears throat> That's good for married women. What about not married women? Oh, perfect. So the Kolbo says that mishum lo plug, and therefore that was, that was literally perfect. The next line is it the next line? The it next is, line. The Kolbo says for bachelorettes who are not married and don't have this potential dual uh, pulling, uh, he says, it's a low plug. What are you going to say when she's married, and God forbid she gets divorced, and she goes back? Into, you make a general thing. Women are exempt from, from Mitzvah Sinat Grama. That's complicated. She's engaged. Well, if she's engaged, she's technically not married, but her husband still wants her to do things to help buy furniture, whatever it is. So just you go ahead and, you, you know, you, you make a, a general exemption for all women. It's interesting. It's interesting to note that uh, Rav Shamshin Rafal, 
the Yalka Shimoni says, by the way, women in general are much purer than men, and therefore uh, they don't need this sort of alarm clock because they only have one lay. Men have a Yetzirah much more than a woman, and therefore a woman doesn't necessarily need this alarm clock to remind her to always do mitzvahs. We, on the other hand, say, alarm goes off. You have three more minutes to do this mitzvah. You have five minutes to go to Minyan. We need a constant reminder. We need a much more of a push than, than women do. Okay. <clears throat> so why do women have bench of today? Uh, because they're, they're able to, they don't have to, they're allowed to, they get a mitzvah from it. And that's what, we still get a greater reward than women, which is counterintuitive. You would think if someone's doing a mitzvah voluntarily, they're not obligated, they should get more reward. We've discussed in the past the concept of paspasalo, since the men, from the time they get up in the morning, let's just take, for example, a winter's day when, when Shkia's five o'clock, or in New York, four o'clock, and you have to daven mincha, and your whole day is based around the fact that I have to make mincha. So it's, it's bothering us, it's on our mind that we have to schedule from the second we get up how to make sure we make mincha during our day. Women don't have that obligation, for example, by mincha. So I'm just giving an example like a time-bound mitzvah. So if they find themselves at 3.30, oh, I have five minutes, they'll daven. But it's not that it's, if they have the opportunity, they do it. But it's not, it's on their mind all day long. We have no choice, so we're constantly thinking about it, how we're going to fit this mitzvah into our busy day. So that's why, but they're still allowed to do it. They're still allowed to do it. And according to the Rabbeinu Tam, they can even make a bracha. According to the Rambam, they cannot. So the Sephardim do not make a bracha when the women bench lulav. When Sephardic women sit in the sukkah, they do not say, make a bracha, shake the shalom of Sivanu. But the Ashkenazim follow Rabbeinu Tam, the Ramah, and we do make a bracha. Okay. The Gemara starts. So let's start the Gemara now. The Gemara on the second line from the top. So for those who missed it, we just said that women and Avadim Kenanim and Ketanim are potter from Kriyashma and from the Tefillin. However, they are chayiv in Tefillah, Mezuzah, and Benching. The Gemara says, Kriyashma, Pshita. You're telling me that they're exempt from Kriyashma? That's obvious. Why? Mitzvah Asei Shezman Gramahu. Mit- Kriyashma is a mitzvah saseshes man grama. We just gave reasons why women are exempt from mitzvah saseshes man grama. The whole mitzvah saseshes man grama, nashupaturos. Women are exempt. So why should Kriyashma be any different? We know that the obligation for Kriyashma is b'shach b'chav kumecha, morning at night, since that is time bound. We started off by saying, you don't have the entire night, you only have until chatzos. That was our first Mishnah. You don't have all day, say Kriyashma, only the first three hours, time alachim get up. So, so on and so forth. So the time-bound mitzvah, so we know, what is the Chiddush here? The Gemara says, Ma'ah, the same, Ahov, No! Kriya Shema has such power in it that it is the Kabosa Malcha Shemayim. We know that's the last Pasuk that so many Yidin said on their way to the gas chambers because it shows even at the hardest times we are Makabah, we accept upon the self the yoke of a Shemayim. It is the most, if you, if you have to have one Pasuk that almost encapsulates or what the Jewish mantra is, it's Shema Yisrael. It encapsulates our acceptance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's the most powerful statement we have. It accepts Yichud Hashem, the oneness of Hashem. And because it's such a powerful pasuk, we would think that even though Shema is technically a mitzvah, maybe I would say women should be obligated. Kamash Malan, no, despite the fact that it has awesome power in that pasuk, and it represents ours accepting of <clears throat> Nonetheless, it is a mitzvah, and therefore women are exempt. The Gemara continues. By tefillin, pshita. It's obvious that tefillin, because tefillin actually we'll see <coughs> later on, if we ever get to Kedushin, but Gemara Kedushin, Daflam and Beis, Daflam and Dala, they discuss there that tefillin 
is the paradigm to teach us that mitzvah sashes magroma women are exempt from. Shabbos loves Montfilin, night is not Montfilin, and therefore women are, are exempt. Gemara says, so why would I have thought, if I know that women are exempt from all mitzvah sashes magroma, why do I have to mention Tfilin? Ma'od the same, a whole of iskish mezuzah, since we know that it's compared to mezuzah, kamash malan. What does it mean it's compared to mezuzah? When they're, they're obligated to mezuzah. So in Kriya Shema, it's juxtaposed to It is juxtaposed to um, mezuzah. And since mezuzah is not a time-bound mitzvah, women are obligated. I would think that since we compare tefillin to mezuzah throughout Shas, that just like they're obligated in mezuzah, they would be obligated in Talmud Torah. In, uh, in tefillin. Now, interestingly, they're not. And the question is, why is it not compared? Because the Gemara says that it's actually, there's two times where it's compared to Talmud Torah. In both, in both, um, in, it's in the uh, Gemara in Parat above, actually both parts of Kriyashma. <laughs> Where's the sitter a second? Who has a sitter on them? Let me just read it. It's much easier. I have a sitter here. So it's actually, tefillin is actually compared twice to Talmud Torah in, in, in Shema. If you look at the, just so I can, I don't want to misquote. So it says actually here, um, So their Talmud Torah is, compared, is juxtaposed to Tefillin, and also in the first part of Kriyashma. So Tefillin and Talmud Torah are juxtaposed twice, and women are, are exempt from Talmud Torah. Tefillin is only juxtaposed to mezuzah once. So the, the juxtaposition to Talmud Torah, which they're exempt from, overrides the juxtaposition to Tefillin. So therefore, Kamash Malan... Does it say that they have to kiss mezuzah? To kiss? No, women have to kiss mezuzah. Where does it say? It doesn't. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't. No, but, 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 it's, it's, not, but it's not a mitzvah, it's not a grandma. This is only a... Right. Guys. No, but any mitzvah that's not... A, not writing is, is something else. They're not necessarily kosher for safras. But that if a woman lives in a home by herself, she has to have mezuzah on her door. Because it's not a mitzvah saseh, she's my grandma. It's a regular mitzvah saseh. Women are chayv in all mitzvah saseh. So now the Gemara continues, and we're going <coughs> to talk a lot about this next, this next few lines. Gemara says, they are chayv in tefillah, even though women are exempt from, from uh, kriya shaman tefillah, they're chayv in tefillah. Gemara says, v'chayovim tefillah. The Gemara says, because the bottom line is, it is, it is to evoke Hashem's mercy, and we all need Hashem's mercy. Gemara says, What's the Kiddush? What would I have thought otherwise? I would have thought, Since David, when he's running away from his son Avshalom, who was Morad, who was rebelling against him and trying to kill him and usurp his power, David says, Morning, evening, morning, and afternoon, I will dive into Hashem. The passage continues, Hashem shall listen to my voice. And therefore, I would have thought, I would have thought, since there are specific times when we daven, then it should be a mitzvah, no. So, now, is it saying, it's a mitzvah, and still they're chayavos, or no? It's not a mitzvah, and therefore the chayavos. The Ramban learns, 
that it's a mitzvah sashes magrama, but still women are obligated because the bottom line is they need rachamim just like like we do. So two fascinating points I'd like to discuss for the next 15 minutes or so. And that is as follows. Sefer Mitzvot, the Rambam discusses he, in descending order what the, the important mitzvot. And the first mitzvah he discusses is Amunah Hashem. Then he goes to Yichud Hashem, the oneness of Hashem, Avas Hashem, loving Hashem, then Yiras Hashem. Those are the first four mitzvot. The fifth mitzvah is davening. According to the Rambam, in Hechos Tefillah, Aleph, Aleph, and the fifth mitzvah, say, he says, davening every day is a mitzvah min Torah. And he quotes from the Gemara, in Tainis Davbez, Ul Avdo Bechol Levavchem, what is tefillah? Habi Omer, zu avodah What is tefillah? Avodah According to the Rambam, and by the way, <clears throat> whenever the Torah does not tell us how often to do a mitzvah, the assumption is once a day, every day. In fact, the stipler going brings five examples. For example, the Rambam says, it says, Zachor Molek, We're obligated to remember a Molek. The Torah doesn't tell us how often. The Rambam actually says you say it every day. The Rambam has Sheish Zechiro, six remembrances that we're supposed to say every day after davening. According to Tosos and Brachas Nefir Gimel, he says our reading of Parsha Samolek, a Parsha Zachor, right before Purim, is the key of Zachor Esa Asher Asadcha Molek. So according to Tosos, it's once a year. The Rambam says that an obligation exists every day. So the understanding in the Rambam is that when the Torah gives us an obligation and does not tell us how often, it's once a day every day. Dochening is another example. Berchas HaTorah, these are Kishem Hashem Ekra. The Torah doesn't tell us how often to do it, but it's understood we do it once a day, every day. Okay, now. Kriyash you say three times a day. you say twice a day, morning and night. Right, right, right. right. so, right, correct. So now, um, the Ramban, the Ramban, now by the way, we're going to see next daf that the Gemara clearly says that Tefillah Midrabanan. So how's the Rambam going to learn that Tefillah Midrabanan? The Rambam is gonna, just answers that the institution of the times, Shachris, Mincha, and Mariv, that is Midrabanan. But the essence, the need for us to daven is Minatora, and I'll explain in a minute. The Ramban, this is the most famous Machlokas about davening, the Ram, Rambam and the Ramban, whether every day the mitzvah is Minatora or Midrabanan. The Ramban says, based on the following Pasuk, it says in Bamidbar, when a war comes to your front step, unfortunately we're familiar with that today, when a war comes to your front step, against an enemy that is very painful, then you will go in, you'll blast the trumpets, and Hashem will save you. The Ramban says that Pasuk tells us, the only time you're obligated in Torah to Davin, is in an ace tzara, in a time of need, during a catastrophic event. We need Hashem to call out to Hashem when the tide is turned against us, in order that the tide should be turned for us. So only during a specific time when it's an ace tzara, says the Ramban, based on the Pasuk, you will go ahead, you will go ahead and blow the trumpets, you will be remembered before Hashem, will intervene and save you from your enemies. The Ramban says it's clear as day, only in an ace tzara, at a time of need, is the obligation biblical. So now, interesting, Rav Moshe Feinstein, in defense of the Rambam, actually says, the Rambam does not hold that davening during the Ace Tzara is Minatora. He says that's a simple act of Emunah. Davening every day when things are going well, that's, that's davening. When you need Hashem, that's not davening. That's just who's going to change the course of no the bed. Atheist in the foxhole. Exactly. 
It's exactly correct, right? Now, when we see what's going on in the world, everyone's davening to Hashem. That's not davening. That's a muna. We know that Hashem ultimately is going to decide the tally, how many lives lost, how many chatufim are returned. And that's what we, we dive into him every day so that he returns everyone safely and he watches over everyone. But that's not an ace, that, that's not davening the everyday obligation. That's a simple act of a muna. We know who pulls the string. We know he's a boreamonic, that he's an active involvement in the everyday world. Of Salavechik, they'll describe the Machlokas very, very differently. Salavechik explained as follows. He said, the Rambam essentially agrees that the obligation to daven is only in an ace tzara. The question is, is every day that we live in ace tzara? How do you define the human condition? <clears throat> Someone is healthy today. Rahman al-Slan, an illness can come at any moment. Someone's financially successful. All of a sudden, the stock market can crash. A, a, market, a, a deal can fall through. Every day, we live in a very precarious situation. So the Rambam, says Rav Salvechik, defines every day in the Esauer. There's really no argument between the Rambam and the Ramban when the obligation. The obligation is to daven in Esauer. The question is, what defines an Esauer? The Rambam says every single day, the human condition is so precarious, how everything can change, Keheref Ayin, then therefore, in the, in the blink of an eye, therefore you have to daven, because every day is an Esauer. And I love the fact that Goldberg always says by Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, for those people who think they have nothing to daven for, they have the most to daven for. If you think everything is going great, going great in your life, and Baruch Shem it is, so then daven then should continue that way. Whereas the Ramban will say, the human condition, the psyche, is not able to view every single day as an Esau. We're not wired for that, to be on high alert, to be tense and high intensity every day. So the Ramban will say, the average person, we take for granted what we have every day. We just assume we get up, and we'll be healthy, and, and our kids will be healthy, and, and everything will be there that it was the day before in status quo. But status quo doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be there the next day. But the Ramban says that we are not in the position to assume the way we live life and take for granted, we don't view every single day as an Eitzara, therefore the obligation to daven every day is not Minatorah, as the Ramban would say no. Every single day is viewed as an Eitzara, therefore the obligation to daven every day is Minatorah. Yes? Well, I'm talking about Torah, correct, correct. Well, I'm talking about on, on a Minotaurah level. You're correct. But I mean, that's the important thing, I think, that he's would also, it's just a distinction that he's Correct. Making. The Gemara. It's sort of a technicality the Rambai is saying. But it's right. not like he's saying davening every day is not important. Correct. No, of course not. But of course, we, we know from the Gemara, we'll get to the Gemara and Dav Chavav when we start the fourth parak. We know that everyone has to daven three times a day. The whole machlokus is whether the Avos instituted it or pattern after the Karbanos. So everyone agrees that there's an obligation to daven three times a day for men. Question is if that is biblically mandated or rabbinically mandated. You're 100% correct. Now, this is a fascinating topic we're going to do for the next few minutes. The Mishnah Shkalim discusses the first parak, the fourth Mishnah, that women are exempt from giving the machzitz a shekel. The machzitz a shekel was a uh, half a shekel that they uh, there was a communal fund that they would go ahead and through that purchase all the carbonos tzibur, all the carbonos that were done on behalf of the tzibur, were purchased with these funds. So regarding and and we know that avodim noshim and ketanim were exempt from giving the machzitz a shekel. If they, took, if they wanted to give kolakavod, right? Anyone who wants to give can give, but they were not obligated. And yet we know they're obligated in tefillah. We just saw our Mishnah. They're obligated in tefillah. 
The Gemara goes on to say, it's not so obvious that they're obligated in tefillah, because after all, it's a mitzvah, sashashash mangrama, evening, morning, and, and, and night, David HaMelech complained to Hashem. The Gemara says, Rachamininu, since the whole purpose of tefillah is to evoke Rachamim from Hashem, and women need HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Rachamim just as much as men do, therefore they're obligated in tefillah. This is amazing. So that, it's not all tefillah. Not all tefillah, correct, not all tefillahs. Sometimes you just have to make a bracha, correct, correct. So now the tzlach says, we'll, we'll get to that, what the halach is, at a later share, we'll get to the, what the Mishnah Bura says, one tefillah, two tefillahs. Now, Moda'ani, the tzlach in, in, in the fourth parak, which deals with most of tefillahs, says as follows. He says, even though women are obligated in tefillah, that's because tefillah is to evoke Hashem's rachamim. Tefillah's musaf has nothing to do with rachamim. We don't add tefillahs musaf on Rosh Chodesh, Yontif or Shabbos to add a fourth tefillah of Rachamim. Rather, it's to commemorate the bringing of the carbon musaf. They used to bring a carbon musaf on Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, Yontif, so on and so forth. So to commemorate that, we daven musaf on those days. Shalma parm we say we're not able to bring the Kabbalos anymore today because because of our Averos, the base of was destroyed. We have a Chorban and we can't bring the base of Megdash. So what's the next best thing? What do we do today? We daven. In, in place of the of the Kabbalos, we daven. So our davening of Tfilas Musaf today is nothing to do Mishum Rachamim. It's not to evoke more Rachamim from Hashem. It's just to commemorate the Kabbalos that we once brought on this day. Says the Tzlach, who was the Nod Behuda, Tzil Nefesh Chaya, he wrote uh, on, in, in his mother's name, a Sefer, Tzil Nefesh Chaya, the Tzlach, he says on the fourth parak, we'll get to in a few weeks, therefore women are not obligated in Mosaf. If the whole reason they're obligated in davening is Mishim Rachamim, because they need to evoke mercy, and Tfilas Musaf has nothing to do with evoking mercy, rather it's just to commemorate the carbon that was brought during the Beis HaMikdash, and today we don't have the Beis HaMikdash, so we daven in its place, therefore they're not obligated. The carbon definition is like the like, To come close. How can you say that, uh, that uh, coming close isn't really evoking Rachem, like there's... Kind of but that wasn't the, well, the so but we didn't need extra rachamim on those days only. In other words, why would you need extra rachamim on Rosh Chodesh, for example? What was unique about Rosh Chodesh? That we need, yes, the purpose of every. It's not to say that it wasn't to come close, but there wasn't the, the, the reason for the carbon wasn't necessarily. That's a byproduct. There's no question. That wasn't the reason of the inception. Davening is what? Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. Perfect, 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 perfect. There was no musa for it. Perfect. We'll get to that. Technically, that, that according, well, to, according this, to the slach, you don't have to say musa. They're not obligated. We're going to see even more. They could. Yeah, they they could. They're not obligated. Of course, they could. We always take more tefillahs. They're not obligated. We're going to see an incredible nafkamin in a minute. Rabbi Kiva Eger says something. <clears throat> Also that they're exempt from Musaf, but for a totally different reason. He quotes a sefer called the Besamim Rosh. He said as follows. He said similarly that the Musaf was a zecher for the carbon Musaf that we say now, right? Was, which was a carbon seabor. And since women were, in, the carbon Musaf was a, uh, was a communal obligation, which means it was paid for by the Machzis HaShekel. Since women were exempt from the Machzis HaShekel, they had no part in the carbon musaf, and today our carbon musaf commemorates 
our Tfilas Mosav commemorates the Karan Mosav, therefore they're not obligated in Tfilas Mosav. So both Rabbi Kiva Eger and the Nodibi Huda, Rechezka Landau, come to the same conclusion, that women are not obligated in Mosav, either because it's not one of Rachmim, the purpose was not to initiate or, or, or to, to, to beseech Rachmim from Hashem, and therefore the whole obligation only stems from Rachamim, so they're not obligated, or because the Karim Musaf was bought by communal funds, which was funded by the Machzitz HaShakel, and women were not obligated to give the Machzitz HaShakel, they're not obligated in Musaf. Rav Yitzchak Elchanan Specter, you guys probably know the name, that's Reitz and YU, Rabbi Isaac Elchanan Theological Seminary, that's the Hosmicha program in YU, he lived in the 1800s, he was Nifter in 1896, recognized to be a prodigy at age 8, he was orphaned at age 10, was married at 13, and eventually became the Rav of Kovno. He was incredibly, incredibly um, active in Russian Jewry after the pogroms of 1881. He, he was invited to St. Petersburg to speak on behalf of the, of the, of the Yid in there. Um, and he was also very involved in the Chov Zion, in the movement. Unbelievable. He was really known to be one of the, uh, the rabbis of the, of the people. In fact, he was so against this price gouging that there was a year where he's, he ossered certain esrogim to be bought because they were coming in at such a high price. So he was really a man of the people and, and a great time of Chacham. So Yitzchak Elchan Inspector, for which Yu's uh, uh, Smicha program is named after, he discusses a question. He'll get to our topic at the end of the question, but listen to what this, his question was. So he's, someone comes to him and says, what's the following, Shaila? Someone walks into shul late Shabbos morning and they're about to daven Mosaf and he mishachris. Is it better for him to daven Musaf now with the tzibor? It, it happened to me in times when I was on call for Shabbos and I'd come, I thought I'd get him early, get emergency, I'd come to Shul, it's 10, 15, 10, 30, and they're davening Musaf now. So do I daven Musaf with the tzibor and go out of order and skip Shachris? Or do I daven Shachris b'echidus, I go in order and daven Musaf b'echidus? In other words, I'll daven separately. Oh, that's the question. What about the Zman? Let's assume the Zman is not a problem. Let's, let's assume the Zman is not a problem. So let's just say you still have time for Shachris afterwards. Musaf you have later, obviously, but fair question. <laughs> you're two hours early. Then you're there for Brachas. Yeah, you're two hours early. Okay, so now. You got anything to say about the Shtibel? So, so you go first to the, you do Dav and Musaf together with the... So his first thought, are you reading my notes again? No, I'm okay. not, I'm not so, anymore. No, no glasses. <laughs> So now, so we say as follows. He says, on the one hand, he says, his first thought was that you should, the, the reason why we dive in Shacharis is because of the Tomitchel Shachar. We dive in Musaf because of the, of the Karb Musaf. Kachim rule 101 is that the first carbon of the day is always the Tomitchel Shachar. Which means you always, and we dive in Shacharis to commemorate the Tomitchel Shachar. So his first thought was, Davin Shachris first. Davin, don't Davin Musaf with the, with the Olam. Don't Davin Tefillah B'Tzibor. Since this is not Halach, he says, in Hilchos Tefillah or Brachos, it's a Hilchos, Halach in Kachim. Kachim 101 is that the first carbon every day that was brought was the Tamit Shal Shachar. So th- that was his first thought. Say Shachris by self and Davin Musaf by self. And then he said, you know what? I have a clear proof that that's not, that you should Davin Musaf first. Why? We know there's a Halacha if you're late, let's say you haven't daven Musaf yet, and you're coming to shul now to daven Mincha. What do you daven first? What's the halacha? Assuming you have time to daven Musaf afterwards. Musaf can theoretically be davened until, until Shkia, even though it's supposed to be until 1 o'clock, but you can daven all day. You daven Mincha first. That's the halacha. Clearly, the shokhan, you daven Mincha first. 
So he says, just like Kachim 101 is that the rule 101 is that the Tomat Shachar was brought first, it was also ruled that the Tomat Shabbat Arbayim, the Tomat that we brought in the afternoon, was the last carbon brought. He says, I'm not sure if this halacha that the first carbon you brought in the morning was Tomat Shachar, is that the Chatchil, that's the most optimal way, or that's even Me'ake, meaning you have to bring that first carbon first. Maybe it's only the Chatchila that you bring the Tamit Shachar first, but under compelling circumstances, you can change the order. He says, from the fact that if you come to Shul late in the afternoon, and you haven't daven Musaf yet, you daven Mincha first, and even though Mincha, the carbon Shul Ben Arbaim, should be the last carbon, we see that the order can be flipped under extenuating circumstances. So he says, in his humble opinion, you should daven Musaf first, because you have a compelling reason here. We see that the order is not Ma'akiv, the order of the Karbanos is not critical, and under normal circumstances, do the Tamil Shul Shachar first, Musaf, and then Tamil Shul Ben Arbaim, the Tamil in the afternoon, which commemorated by Mincha. But under compelling circumstances, if you're going to daven with the Tzibor, daven Musaf first. That's his answer, that's the Shaila. At the end of his Shaila, he says, he goes back now to this question we were just discussing about women. And he says, according to what the Rabbi Kiva Eger quoted in the name of the Summer Rosh, that maybe that, um, that he says as follows. He says, I don't understand. If you're going to tell me that women are exempt from Musaf, who else was exempt from the Machzitz HaShekel? Anyone below the age of? Kitane. But, but Kitane, by, below what age here? 20, 20, 20, 20. Remember the Machzitz Shekel was to count. Count to the people. So that means you have an 18-year-old boy. Chayev and mitzvahs. He says, according to your logic, and this is in the same tshuva, that's why I brought it in. The other tshuva says, according to your logic, and you're telling me that women who didn't have to give the Machzitz Shekel, and as a result, the carbon Musaf, which was bought by communal funds, which they did not contribute to, therefore their putter from Musaf, then every boy, or every young man, I should say, under the age of 20, by logical extension, should also be exempt. And that can't be. That I'm not willing to accept. In actuality, though, there is a Torah Tamima, and therefore he rejects that. There's a Torah Tamima in Parshas Kisisa who actually subscribes to that and says, since anyone below the age of 20 did not give, a boy, a young man of 19, is exempt from Karim Mosef, and he says, La Halacha, you should never have a chazin for Musaf below the age of 20, which calls into question our minag of bar mitzvah boys davening Musaf. But the Torah to me actually says clearly, anyone below the age of 20 should never be the chazin for Musaf because technically he's not obligated in Musaf. And therefore, since he's not obligated in Musaf because he didn't have to give the machlis a shekel, which were, those funds were used to buy the carbon Pesach, the um, carbon Musaf, excuse me, and tefillah today commemorates the carbon musaf. The Torah Tamima says one should not daven if you're less than twenty. You should not be now. That's a tremendous chiddush because today the whole the whole concept of chazal today is very is, is a chiddush because most of us are not being yotze through the chazal sashas, the, the repetition of the chazal. We're davening ourselves. But assuming you actually had someone who didn't know how to read and you were relying on the chazal sashas to be to fulfill your obligation. You should not have, according to Torah Tamima, you should not have a 19-year-old boy davening for Musaf, for, for to be Yotzei the Tzibor. Motzei Tzibor, 9 o'clock. We have so much to talk about. We'll pick up next week. Have an amazing day.